it goes right along with my message. So, in fact, the uh, title of my message tonight is Magnify the Lord. And so I've, I've had that song in my head the last couple of days, and I thought that would be a good song to sing uh, right before the message. And I want us to go to Psalms chapter 34. Psalms chapter 34, we're going to start singing tonight. This is one of those messages that, um, you know, sometime, you know, if, if you want to get anything out of this message, it's, you're going to have to, you know, not just pay attention, but you need to take some of these things we talk about and you need to chew on it for a while is what I call it. I always like hearing a message that just kind of gives me something to chew on, something to think about, and really, and really ponder and apply to your own life. And it's something that I believe we need to do on a regular basis. And I, and I hope this will be a help to you tonight. But Psalms 34 verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Now, I want you to notice that word, that term magnify, okay? And magnify, when I think it means basically to make large in various sense, as in body, mind, estate, honor, also in pride. It means to advance, boast, bring up, exceed, increase, lift up, magnify, promote proudly. And in the Bible we see that the only one we are to magnify is the Lord. kind of reminds me of John the Baptist. Remember what he said? He must increase and I must decrease. And whenever I think of the term magnify too, I think about a magnifying glass. Okay, A magnifying glass, it doesn't necessarily make things bigger, but it makes things look bigger. You can get a closer look at things, uh, small things that maybe our eye can't see real good. If, if you can magnify it, and make it bigger, you can get a much better look, have much better understanding of what you're looking at. And you know, there's no one who has the ability to speak too highly of God. We can't exaggerate God. We can't go too far there. You know, no one has ever learned everything there is to know about God. But sadly, most people today, we spend all our time making ourselves look big instead of magnifying God, don't we? That is a very common thing today. You've got people out there that are doing everything they can you know, to build a name for themselves, to make themselves look like something great when we're supposed to be making God look good. Because the truth is, I, if, I, you know, if I was good enough at it, I could get up here tonight and I could maybe try to preach a message that would make you all really think I'm something great. You know, and if I, could, if I could do that, if I could convince you all that I was wise enough and smart enough and all these things, you know, maybe I could get you all to do what I want. You know, and that, that would be convenient for me. But you know, in the Bible we see we're not supposed to magnify ourselves, we're supposed to magnify the Lord. And if we magnify the Lord, you know, we can get, you know, then maybe folks will do what the Lord wants them to do. Maybe they'll become more like God. But the truth is, when it comes to magnifying the Lord, which is what we've been commanded to magnify in the Bible, truth is we usually magnify everything else. And when, I, and when you think about magnify, you know, just the things that we focus closely on, the things that all our attention goes to, the things that we talk about the most, the things we worry about the most, or, you know, the thoughts that we dwell on the most are usually anything but God. And when we magnify other things, then God becomes less and less important. Where when we magnify God, other things come less and less important. And so some examples of things that I think we tend to magnify over God is one thing that people do is they magn- we magnify our sin 
over his sacrifice. Go to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And what a beautiful passage of scripture that is. And I like it says, you know, let, let us let's reason together right now, okay? And I want to do that with you for a minute. Let's reason together. Because you know, many people today that are out there that we know need to be saved, many times one of the reasons we don't witness to them is because we don't really think they will get saved, do we? I mean, you think about you know, and maybe maybe I'm the only one that's guilty of this, but have you ever known someone? It's like you know, why even bother witnessing to that person? There is no way that person is going to listen to anything I have to say. You know, there are there's no that person's just too far gone. There's no way. Do you under, when we and when we do that, we're magnifying that person's sin over the blood of Christ, which is what we should be magnifying. That's what we should be focusing on. When you study. The, the crucifixion, when you study the doctrines about the blood of Jesus Christ, when you study verses like the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son cleanses us from all sins, it ought to cause us to be so amazed by God and the work that He did for us on the cross. If we were magnifying Him, it doesn't matter who we look at, we're going to be like, you know what, the Lord could save that person. We're going to want to get the gospel to people. If we would magnify the Holy Spirit and the ability that He has to convict hearts and to bring people to salvation and to draw men to God, if we would magnify that, boy, we would be anxious to be used of God. And I believe one of the reasons we don't want to tell people about Christ is we think there's no way. We're magnifying that person over the blood of Christ. We're magnifying that sin. Sometimes people will do that themselves. They'll look at the sin that's in their own lives and they'll think, I can't get saved. And if a person feels that way, it's because they're magnifying their sin over the blood of Jesus Christ. They're magnifying it over God. And I believe what we need to do is just renew our focus on Jesus Christ. I mean, get as close of a look as we can. And I believe if, if there's somebody out there, and if you feel that way when it comes to lost people, different lost people thinking it's pointless witnessing these people, there's no way. I think it would be healthy for you to do a study on the forgiveness of God. I think it would be healthy for you to do a study on the Holy Spirit of God and the way He works in the lives of people and the way He uses, uh, he uses us to get the Gospel to people. And it's just sad when we have a God like we have, that we would ever think someone there's no way they could get saved. And listen, I do know that a person can become reprobate. But the truth is, we don't know for sure when anybody's there. A lot of times people will bring up different sins and say if a person has committed this sin, that means they're automatically reprobate. But yet at the same time, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sins. So, even though when the Bible talks about reprobates, it mentions certain types of sin, the Bible also says God's blood cleanses us from all sin. So, I think it means even those really big ones, even those abominations, if a person who's, if there's people who have done those things, if they would ask for forgiveness, God would forgive them. But we want to magnify the sin. We want to talk about the sin. We want to do a study 
on that sin and everything the Bible has to say about it when we should be doing a study on the blood of Christ. And I believe that would make the bigger difference. But Luke chapter 7 and verse 36, if you want to turn over there, Luke chapter 7. I want to read a passage of Scripture here. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. It says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. And then he goes and he gives the parable of the debtors. And understand these people, when they were looking at this woman, they were magnifying her. They were magnifying her sin. They are focusing on the sin of this woman instead of focusing on the fact that Jesus Christ, the one who could forgive sins, the one who could save people, was there. And they, he tells them that parable of the two debtors and about how God had forgiven this great debt that we cannot imagine. And once again, even though we have stories like this in the Bible where Christ forgave people who were terrible sinners, while He gave these parables that use some pretty extreme examples to try to get the point across to us that God can forgive sins. He can forgive any sins. He could cleanse from all sins. We still, though, sometimes magnify the sinner above the Savior. We look at that person's sin and say, there's no way, they're too far gone, and therefore, why even try? Why even witnessing? Why even witness to them? Where if we would magnify the Lord, I believe we'd be running to those people. We would be anxious to see it happen again. To see someone that evil get saved. And God could do it. So we magnify our sin over His sacrifice. And then another thing we do, we magnify our failures over His forgiveness. Go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. And you know, a lot of times I think when it comes to our failures, it's almost like sometimes people are so anxious to just not serve God and to get out of serving God, they will kind of use their failures as an example. Well, it's too late. I can't do anything. And let me tell you something. You are magnifying your work. You're magnifying your failure way too much. If you get your eyes on the Lord, you would see that it doesn't matter what you, how you failed in the past. God can still use you in a great way. He could change your heart. But Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see that Christ, while He never sinned, He understands why we sin. And I think that'd be a great lesson for everyone there. One thing that you need to work, everyone needs to work on is whenever people do fail you, whenever they do mess up and do wrong, truth is we ought to get why they do that. We don't have to agree with it. 
We don't have to like it. When we sin, Christ doesn't like it. He doesn't agree with what we did, but He understands why we did what He did. If I was, you know, if you, if I got up here today and after church I went and I just started annoying one of you and I'm just, I'm bugging you and just picking at you and finally you just, somebody gets mad and hits me. Okay? You know, it's wrong to retaliate like that, but you know, at the same time, most of us would be like, well, you know, he's kind of asking for it. If somebody was doing that to me, I probably would have done the same thing. And usually we're kind of understanding and think maybe a situation like that. But a lot of times it's like we think there's no way, you know, God doesn't understand what I'm going through. He doesn't understand. He's got to be so disappointed with me. But let me tell you, our God is anxious to forgive. I mean, He wants to forgive, but we do have to ask for that forgiveness. We've got to acknowledge our sin. If you won't acknowledge that you've sinned then uh, and ask for forgiveness, He can't give it. But Lamentation 3.22, you don't have to turn there, it says it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. So right there, the Bible's teaching it's because God is merciful that we're not consumed. Okay, and the truth is, I think we've all deserved to be consumed more than once, haven't we? But you know what? His compassions didn't fail, did they? The Bible says his compassions fail not. And yet we want to magnify our failures, where if we would magnify God, if we would get a closer look at him, we would read verses like this say his compassions fail not. He would forgive me of my failure. He could still use me in a great way. But once again, just magnifying ourselves, focusing on ourselves, and when we do that, we're going to get our eyes off God, and we're going to get discouraged, and we're going to let our failures have the victory over us. And we can't do that. We, uh, the Lord, we need the Lord to use us. God wants to use us, so don't go magnifying your failures over His forgiveness. Then another area: many times we magnify our weaknesses over. His will. Look at Exodus chapter three, and verse ten. And it's funny because I, it you can really see in this story how God is getting kind of frustrated with Moses. And it's amazing sometimes how slow we are to pick up on what God wants us to pick up. I mean, we we sometimes can be very slow. But once again, you know, God right here in the story. While I believe He's angry with Moses. He didn't strike him down, did he? Why? Because his compassions didn't fail. Yet, Moses, I know, was upsetting God here. But next is 3, verse 10. He said, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be the token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So God gave Moses something to do. He said, Moses, I need you to do this. Moses said, I can't do that. Who was he thinking about? He was thinking about Moses. He wasn't thinking about God. He was thinking about Moses. You know how many times Christian people do that? The Lord speaks to them about doing something for God and... I can't do that. Well, God didn't. God knows that you can't do that. But He can do that. He's just wanting to use you. 
So why don't you let Him? You know why? Because we're magnifying ourselves. We're so focused on ourselves. And if we do focus on ourselves, we're going to feel that way. But God told Moses, He said, certainly, I will be with thee. Then jump down to Exodus 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? You know, many people do that. They will use... Maybe they've got a disability. Maybe you know. Maybe they're just not good at something. But yet, if God calls you to do it, it you have the ability to do it. And He asks, "Who made man's mouth?" Moses, I made you, okay, and I made you for a purpose. If and you know what God's trying to do here? He's trying to get Moses focusing on God, but Moses keeps looking at himself. Verse twelve. Um, now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of whom, of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. God got mad at Moses here. Because Moses just he, he won't listen. He will not look at God. He kept looking at himself. He didn't magnify the Lord. He was magnifying himself. And getting a close look at Moses, we see he had his issues. He wasn't perfect. But God didn't want him looking at Moses. He wanted him looking at God. And when Mo- and finally, you know, and even really after this chapter, you know, God's get- God was getting mad at Moses. God was getting angry. He showed great compassion here because Moses wasn't magnifying the Lord. And if you go on and you keep reading, God tells Moses to go get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And when you read the stories, it's almost kind of strange because all of a sudden, in like the very next chapter, God's getting ready to kill Moses. And it doesn't say why before that, but then you kind of you see afterwards when you put two and two together, it was because he didn't circumcise his son. And then his wife went and circumcised him, and you know said the bloody husband thou art, because God was going to kill Moses because he didn't circumcise his son. And basically, what was happening there, Moses he's doubting God, he's focusing on himself, not having faith in God, getting mad at God. And then finally, okay, fine, I'll do it. But then he doesn't go and follow one of the main commandments that God gave, you know, to circumcise the male children. I mean, Moses just wasn't getting a clue. He wasn't doing a very good job, but yet God kept forgiving him, didn't he? He kept forgiving him. Moses was a weak person as far as he, you know, I don't believe he was lying when he said he wasn't eloquent. I don't believe he was lying when he said he was slow speak of slow speech and slow tongue. I don't think he was lying, but yet we do see though though that Moses, you know, he had his issues. He had the temper. He remember when he smote the rock. There was a time before when he had killed the Egyptian. Moses definitely had some problems. He had some weaknesses. He wasn't real quick to be obedient. I mean, God had to God was getting ready to kill him. And even then, it wasn't Moses that was obedient. It was his wife that was obedient. I mean, the guy, you know, 
Sometimes I wonder if maybe that's why God made him wander in the wilderness for the 40 years because you know, you know, it wasn't just for the rest of them. He, he had his issues too. But his problem was is he just kept looking at himself. And I wonder how often we insult God by saying, I can't do what God called me to do. That is an insult because we're not supposed to be looking at ourselves. We're supposed to be looking at Him. And if God calls us to do something and we are disobedient, you can try to make excuses all you want and say that it's yourself or whatever, but the truth is, it shows what we really think about God. If we really believe that God is as great as He says He is and as powerful as He says He is, then we will understand that God can even use us with all our weaknesses, with all our disabilities or whatever, God can still use us because it's not about us, it's about God. But if we don't if we do not magnify the Lord, if we don't I mean exalt him, if we don't lift him up, if we don't praise him, if we don't get as close of a look as we can at him, if you know, if we're not studying everything we can about him, then we're going to miss that. We're going to get caught up in ourselves. And you know, the truth is when it comes to serving God, Many times, some people have the opposite problem. They think they're they think they are qualified. Oh, Lord wants some some people are out there. I mean, they they're so full of themselves. You know, they would feel like you know if God was calling them to be a missionary or something. That'd be just too low for them. You know, they they have to have the you know these great positions. They're just a lot of young people are like that. I might have even been like that a little bit when I was younger. But you know, the truth is, if you do feel like you are qualified. We do see in the Bible where God is probably not going to use you. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So it's very clear here that God wants to use the weak. He wants to use those with the infirmities. He wants to use the foolish things. So I mean, you look around, and it, the truth is, if you have a burden for something in this church, if you have a burden to see something being accomplished here, to see something done, you are probably the one God is wanting to fill that role. You are probably the one that He wants to use. And most people, you know what they do when that happens? They get a burden for something in the church and think, man, this would be great. Somebody needs to step up. Somebody needs to do this. And it's usually, I can't because I have this problem. And understand, if you did think that you were qualified for it, you're probably not the one God wants to use. God wants to use people that we would say are not qualified. That way, when something does get accomplished for God, guess who's going to get the glory for it? Well, it's going to be God that gets the glory for it. If you know, if you have, if you are one of these people that just has this extremely high IQ, just one of these good-looking, charismatic—I mean, just eloquent, brilliant speakers—and you get and you go and you pastor a church. Well, you know who's going to get the credit? Well, man, you know, brother, so and so, man, he just—he's so eloquent, he's so smart, he's just so charismatic, 
He's all these things. And you know what? And then if that church does great, guess who's going to get all the credit for it? It's going to be that person. And that's not who God wants to use. God's going to want to use people like like me. Brother Tommy, you know, he's... He's not that great. He's not that eloquent. You know, he stutters sometimes. You know, he, he's going bald. You know, he doesn't see very good. You know, he, he's not real smart. You know, he's not, you know, I can go on and on right? <laughs> well, with my problems. But then if something gets accomplished and something gets done for God, guess who everybody's going to point to? They're going to say, the Lord is doing a work here. We know Brother Tommy can't do it. And that, that's who God wants to use. And so if, if you have a burden in your heart to see something done, and you're thinking, I can't, I can't, I'm this, I'm that, you are probably the one that God wants to use. And what you need to do is stop looking at yourself, stop looking in, your, in the mirror, start looking in the Bible, start looking at God, start focusing on Him, and you could, you'll have to come to the conclusion that, you know what? God, I just need to surrender to His will. I need to stop fighting and I need to do what God has called me to do. 1 Corinthians 1.27 But God hath chosen or God hath chosen the foolish things. The foolish things to confound the wise. The weak things. And let me tell you something. I don't, I'm not going to go into all the passages on it, but you ought to just do a study sometime and look at who God calls. There's one verse in the Bible that talks about you know not many mighty are called, and he names off all these good things, you know that we would all like to be. And God says not many of them are called, but he you know he chooses chooses the weak, you know the base, and he names off all these bad things. And when you look at at who God wants to use and who God usually uses, it's kind of humbling. If God is using you, it's like, well, I'm all those things. I stink, <laughs> you know. But but then you know what it does. It causes us to just say, thank you, Lord, that you're using me. I'm all those things, and you're still doing something through my life. Thank you, Lord. You know, keep doing it, because the Bible still says, without me, you can do nothing. And we, boy, we just need to get dependent on God, magnify Him, focus on Him, and, you know, maybe we won't doubt so much. Maybe we won't not even try some things. I wonder how many blessings we've missed and opportunities we've missed because we just didn't even try because we were thinking about ourselves instead of magnifying the Lord. And, you know, the truth is when you study something, I mean, you know, the deeper you study something, and especially something like God, okay, that we can never scratch the surface of everything there is to know about Him, the, the more you study that, the more you learn, the more you want to know. And the more you learn about God, the more you're going to find out, or the more you're going to find that there is to find out. And the truth is, you're going to eventually, if you keep magnifying God, you keep studying studying the Bible. Pretty soon, just reading about the miracles of God isn't going to be enough. You're going to want to experience the miracles of God. You're going to find yourself if you keep if you continue to magnify the Lord like you're supposed to, if you keep exalting Him more and more, like pretty soon you're going to find yourself stepping out on faith, just so you can see God do something. Hey, I want to see more. And it's like people who, you know, it's kind of it can be a scary thing. I mean, have you ever seen those people that you know they study tornadoes and stuff? And you know those people too, 
that are interested in that and study all that stuff, they chase tornadoes around, don't they? They follow. Most of us, you know, we all run from them. But those people, they like why? Because they've studied those things. Okay, you know, uh, they and they they have a knowledge of those things that maybe you and I don't have. And you know what it does? It causes them to be more curious. Okay, all I need to study is just the damage they do in those places. Like I'm out of there. You know, (laughs) I'm I'm running. But boy, not those people that have studied it. They do. They want to get a closer look. Hey, how can we get close? You know, they they want to get as close as they can. They want to see it up close. And it's like, man, that's that's scary. But when you've studied something like that for so many years, you will have a greater curiosity. And if we would study God more, if we would magnify Him more, we're going to want to get a closer look. And you know what? We just might find ourselves putting ourselves out there somewhere in a situation that maybe some would consider dangerous. We might find ourselves you know, going out on, the, out on the streets and witnessing to people. We might find ourselves going to other parts of the world to be a missionary you know, places where maybe the gospel has never been taken, where we could, our lives could literally be at risk. And why would somebody do that? They just want to see God do something in a great way, and they'll do anything. I mean, they will literally, they will literally do anything that God calls them to do because they just they want to see Him do something. They've read about the mighty works that God did. In the, New, in the New Testament and in the book of Acts. They've read about those things, but it's not enough just to read about it. They want to experience it. Many people, they've read about tornadoes. They've watched the videos about tornadoes, but some, they want to see it for themselves in person. And I've, I've read about the stories of the things that God did, but you know what? I want to experience them for myself. I want, to, I want to see it. And the more we magnify God, the more we're going to want to see that, the more we're going to want to see and the more we're going to step out on faith. But we get way too focused on ourselves. If start you start talking to people about witnessing these days, oh, I don't know very much about the Bible. Well, you know, I don't remember seeing anywhere in the Bible where it said that, you know, those with the greatest Bible knowledge are the ones that God can use the greatest. I do see in the Bible where a woman at the well, after one encounter with Christ, went and brought many people to Christ. I do remember another story where a maniac that was possessed with 2,000 demons got saved and a short time later has a multitude coming wanting to meet Christ. I felt those people didn't have a whole lot of Bible knowledge. But you know what? They magnified God. And they weren't thinking about themselves. That demoniac man, he didn't say, you know what, I'm the guy that's been running around naked in the tombs cutting myself for the last several years. I got the worst reputation in town. People are scared to death of me. I can't do anything for God. That's not what he did. He all he could think about was Jesus Christ, the man who saved him, and he didn't care. He went and told everybody, and sure enough, brought a multitude to Christ. So we do we magnify our weaknesses over God's will. Is it is this the will of God? Is this God's will for your life? Well then He's going to make it happen. Don't magnify your weaknesses over His will. So, we magnify our sin over His sacrifice, our failures over His forgiveness, our weaknesses over His will. And then finally, we magnify our obstacles over His omnipotence. Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. I know that omnipotence, that's a big word there, but it started with an O and I kind of had a, 
you know, theme going there. But anyway, Matthew twenty one twenty one. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not do only ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. And you know, that's a neat story because Jesus, He went by, He wanted to take some figs from a tree earlier in the story, and there wasn't any fruit on it. And He cursed it. They come by a little bit later, that tree is dead. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, you know, that would be pretty impressive. Jesus acts like it's no big deal at all. You think that's a big deal, what I did to the fig tree? You could move mountains if you just have a little bit of faith. That's, that's what Jesus Christ said. But yet, what do we do whenever we face a difficulty, whenever we have any kind of obstacle? We think about the obstacle. We think about the dollar signs. Oh, that, you know, that, that's, that's too much money. You know, we think about all our, we think about our weaknesses. We just, we get focused on ourselves. I mean, we look at those challenges that we face as these giants that we can't kill, unlike David, who had no problem facing a giant. Why? And what did David do the whole time? He didn't talk about his slingshot abilities to Goliath. He didn't, when Goliath started mocking him, he didn't say, man, have you seen me with this sling? I'm going to put a rock right in your head. You know, when he when Goliath started mocking him, David didn't talk about the time he slayed a lion and a bear with his own two hands. He didn't talk about that because he knew when those things happened with the lion and the bear, he knew that that was the Lord helping him. He he magnified God. All's David when David stood there before Goliath, he magnified the Lord. Understand that this, hey, it's God's will for me to do this, gave God 100% of the credit, and he overcame that giant, overcame that obstacle. Us, we just think about the obstacle. We think about what we're facing, and we leave God completely out of the scenario. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, if God starts something in your life, He's going to finish it. It didn't say you'll finish it. It said He who began the work. It was God that started the work. And He will he'll complete it. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We have got to quit magnifying our obstacles over the omnipotence, over the almighty power of the God that we serve. Whenever we have challenges, we, we need to, you know what we need to do? We need to start talking about God. When we're as a church, if we're having you know difficulties or if we're facing challenges, we shouldn't be talking about the challenges. We should be talking about God. If you're, if there's somebody you're wanting to witness to, we shouldn't be talking about how rotten they are and how hard they're going to be to win over. We should be talking about the God that can save anyone who will call on the Lord for salvation. Get our focus on Him. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Okay. Notice that. He didn't say, I can do all things. Stop there. He didn't, he didn't do that. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Once again, focusing, magnifying Jesus Christ. What Paul said in that statement, that I can do all things, it, that sounds 
a little boastful, doesn't it? Until you, the rest of it, through Christ, acknowledging that it's not Him, it's Christ, magnifying God, magnifying the Lord. And if we would do that, that would make all the difference in the world. That would, that's what's going to determine whether we succeed or whether we fail. Because God does not share His glory with anyone. If you want to go around magnifying yourself and building yourself up, God's not going to use you. But if, you're, if you give God the glory, if you magnify the Lord, you're the one that God's going to want to use. And the truth is, too, if we would magnify the Lord, I believe it would get rid of a lot of the stress in our life. It would get rid of a lot of the you know, emotional turmoil and all these things. If instead of just looking at the situation and getting discouraged, getting defeated right away, we would just think about the God that we serve. The God that can change lives. The God that can change hearts. The God that, I mean, the God that allowed the sun to stand still. Okay? Do you think it was Joshua's power that made the sun stand still? No, it wasn't Joshua's power. It was God's power. It's his faith in God and a miracle. I mean, really, when you stop, scientifically speaking, that had to have probably been one of the greatest miracles that ever happened. I mean, beyond the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, even greater than the parting of the Red Sea, the sun standing still. I mean, that's just that's mind-boggling right there. I mean, right there, scientists love to laugh that passage off just because they can't describe Do you realize what would happen if the sun stopped? You know, yeah, I understand. It'd probably be bad, but... God was in control of that situation and He made it work. <laughs> That's just impossible. Yeah, in our mind, but for God, all things are possible. Let's magnify the Lord, not magnify the science of it, over God. Magnify the Lord. Get the focus on Him. And boy, it's sad just how little we talk about God. And that's one of the ways we magnify Him. We need, He ought to be one of the main subjects of our conversation. He ought to be the focal point of our day. We should start our day talking to God. You know, Start your day reading the Word of God. I mean, make Him a focal point. Make Him a big deal in your life. Magnify the Lord. Exalt the Lord. And if we would do that, we are going to have a hard time letting the things of the world scare us. It's, it's easy, boy. You watch too much news. And you see what all, you know, all the politicians are doing. Boy, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get scared. Oh man, you know the, what's going to happen if Hillary gets elected president? Well, the Lord's still going to be in control. God's still going to be on the throne. So, what are we going to do? We're going to magnify a person over God, a politician over God. He's the one in control. I mean, the heart of the king it's in the hand of the Lord. So, I mean. They can't do anything that God doesn't allow. And I wonder sometimes if God allows them to do some of the foolishness that they do to teach us a lesson for magnifying them over God. And there are so many things that we could talk about, things that we do magnify above the Lord. And boy, I'm telling you right now, we have no excuse for that. And the way we must insult God on a regular basis, when us as Christians, it is part of our job as Christians to be magnifying the Lord. I mean, we ought to, we are we are to do that in church. That's part of our job as an assembly. We come together. 
We worship God. We magnify His name. We sing praises to His name. We're supposed to be telling other people. I mean, just building Him up. Lifting Him up. You know, I've, I've met many people. I met several people this last week uh, at the funeral that Hazel, uh, you know, she talked to, and they're like, "Oh, we've, you know, we've heard a lot of great things about you, you know." And and she built me up a little bit, you know, magnified me. And and I'm not saying that was bad or anything, but you know what? Uh, one thing we all should be doing: don't magnify me too much, because then, what if I fail? Well, if I was your focal point, then you just might fall with me. But one thing we ought to do is just magnify God. Make a big deal about Him. He's the one that we need to be lifting our praises up to and telling everybody about. And you know, if you want to mention me in there, you know, go ahead, but don't make me the focal point, alright? I'm not it. God is the focal point of this church. Pleasing God, the preeminence of Christ. He comes first. What He says goes. He deserves every bit of that. And let's do that. Let's magnify the Lord. So with that, I want us to all stand together right now. Our heads bowed, nice closed.